When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Blisters Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. The Rangers have won five in a row on the road. And to celebrate this occasion, you can support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash Breakaway to get access to our ad-free episodes, BSBOT episodes, and more, including our Discord. This is a show where we talk about how good the Rangers are, talk about the Jets-Giants game, and then talk about how good the Rangers are more. And also our dear friend Rick Carpinello comes on to talk about his book, an awesome interview, always great talking with Rick. Missed having him on the show. Nice to have him back. So without further ado, here's Mark Messier, the 94 legend and friend of Mike Keenan. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to the I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, the Rangers are 5 for 5 on a Western Coast trip. Things seem to be going well. Happy birthday, Panarin. Uh, Mika's a bit of Jed put a puck through a guy. Adam Fox is a walking point, and things are good. Adam Fox is a walking power play point, sir. It's uh, what the bet is now 8 for 8? Is what, <laughs> what, what is it? It's the bet is. I believe the bet is perfect. The only night I can't remember is that 5-1 loss against the Predators. But I think he I think the Rangers only goal was on a power play there and I think Fox might have scored it. But yeah, dude, the craziest part about the bet is not that it keeps hitting, which is crazy in its own right. Is that DraftKings DraftKings keeps raising the odds. It's almost like they're challenging me to make more money. <laughs> it like- started it started at plus 140. On opening night, it dipped for two games over the weekend to plus 135-ish, and then it was plus 160 the last two nights. For people that don't know, the bet is Adam Fox to score a point on the power play, and uh, he's continued to do that every game. In fact, he's matched his season-high total in goals on the power play (laughs) eight games in. So... Uh, the Rangers beat the Winnipeg Jets in overtime. They won a game in overtime in Vancouver on Saturday. That's two overtime winners in a row. The vibes are good. The vibes are great. The team seems rejuvenated uh, in a lot of ways. We have uh, our good friend and dear friend Rick Carpinello on the show today, and we kind of talk a little bit about Gerard Gallant there, so stay tuned for that. Um, but overall, and these are we've talked about this before, these are sometimes the hardest shows for us to do. Because as, as much as we'd love to come on here and uh, tell you all these amazing things, and we'll get into some, it's it's like the team's good. I think the team is good. <laughs> like, that's as far as it goes. It's like the team seems resilient. They've played more 60-minute games in these past, I don't know, this, the beginning of this season than they have in the last two seasons. And that is, I am I like even making that up? I think that's a true statement. Well, I mean... You could be making it up, and it could be a true statement. And no one's going to fact check me, so let's just go for it. Let's just go for it. The funny thing, the funny thing with tonight's game is, I was I was already sucking up some copium when it was two one Jets. I was prepared to come on here 
and say things like, listen, it was still a really successful road trip. Yeah, Sometimes the Jets were playing really sound defensive hockey against the Rangers. The Rangers missed their opportunities when they had them. Kako on the breakaway, Lafreniere on the breakaway. They had golden opportunities. They didn't cash the check. And when you're going up against the goalie like Connor Hellebuck, sometimes when you don't get those free chances, it's going to cost you in the long run. And it's not like the Rangers played a bad game defensively, blah, blah, blah. I had no, all these, I had I all had these all things too. ready to go. I had them all uh, too. Hey, we were, we were inches from this game being 3-2. The, the puck was on the line multiple times. Lafreniere yep. missed an open, open, uh, an open shot. Lafreniere looked great all night. Like those are signs you want to see. I'm ready yep. to roll. Five v five, just celebrating, <laughs> just having a good time. There's, there's no. And by the way, now it's we get to go home. Uh, the Rangers are playing "Country Road" in the locker room as their celebratory song, which is very notable. And then they get to play the Carolina Hurricanes on Thursday as like maybe one of their first true tests, quote unquote, of the season. They get three days off here. Uh, that that's as good as it gets. Like you can. Going on the road after like what happened in Nashville, winning five in a row, which, by the way, I think they've notoriously been pretty good on this West Coast Canada trip, but never 5v5, first time in history. And then you get to go home and play the Carolina Hurricanes in, after three days rest. Like that's just, In the NHL, with the scheduling the way it is and the way we complain about it, it doesn't really get better than that. Winning is nice. You know, God, it feels I think, so fucking good. I think it all boils <laughs> down to that. I Man... Hockey, huh? What a sport. Well, Especially when you're winning. When you win um, five in a row, like, I, this is what the Bruins feel like all the time. <laughs> like, I, I don't understand. Do they win again tonight, these fucks? Like, How many that? points would the Rangers have if they just played in the Western Conference? 140? Uh, well, what did the Avalanche have most years? Like 120, something like that? <laughs> it's like, Jesus. Yeah, the Jets are... By the way, Jets now slaps their second in their division for the Central. Um, and obviously, Blake Wheeler did not get his goal tonight. But I thought his line, and, and especially Will Cooley, by the way. Uh, there were a couple electric. times there. There were a couple times there where Blake had goal, what I thought were golden opportunities to score. Mm-hmm. If we won that same game parlay tonight on top of everything would've else. would have been over. Oh, God. We wouldn't be doing this podcast. would have been over. <laughs> guys, we canceled the show. We're just putting the Rick interview out because yeah. there's nothing else to talk about. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I've seen some people – the part of winning streaks like these is it's really fascinating to see what nits people are trying to pick with this team. What um, are you going to say? Rob Rob Luker, God bless him, friend of the show. Rob, Love Rob. He's correctly been pointing out that the fourth line has been rough to start the year. They're terrible. At, at the, I don't – the the problem with the fourth line is they're awful at five v five, but I still think all those guys do useful things on the penalty kill, which is what they're here to do. Their job is not to score. No, and the top three lines have been so good that it doesn't matter. The fourth line has been bad, and most games Laviolette has been smart enough to realize, oh shit, I should probably just not play my fourth line late, and this is probably going to be a winning strategy. And Ryan, I got to tell you, so far so good. I, you know, what else do you want me to say? It's been like one one fart noise versus the Predators, and and a, a ref game versus the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the rest of it's been uh, wins and Ws. It's like, okay, uh, I don't even know what to nitpick about. I, I want to do a segment of calls. That was awesome. I could do that. Like, yeah, I could do that right now. Lafreniere tonight a couple times looked more confident than I've seen him in his entire tenure as a Ranger. That was awesome. At one point, Will Cooley was uh, called for the puck in center ice and took a shot um, and whipped one. And if it would have went in, I would have exploded. That was awesome. A lot of confidence. Uh, 
Adam Fox exists. That was awesome. Igor Shosturkin made a save with what I believe it was his asshole. Like that. That's awesome. I uh, I, can't, I can't emphasize this enough because I've seen the replay five times now. Mika Zibanejad put the puck through Connor Hellebuck. I have no idea how he got that puck in. He. I know how he got it in. He put it through his gut. <laughs> it's like we're shooting this 109 miles per hour. It's going yeah, right it, through. He he defied physics there for a little bit. It like. You, are you a Futurama guy? I am. Remember the episode where Fry gets stung by the bee that puts that puts Leela in a coma that she thought killed Fry? Yes. And then when she wakes up, Fry literally just has a hole in his stomach? Yes. That was Mika Zibanejad tonight. <laughs> uh, I, it's probably a good time to mention this. Watching the Rangers tonight and watching... What I believe for the most part, look, the third was a little bit of a, I don't want to say a slog. Both teams were kind of exhausted. No big deal. But after watching Jets Giants yesterday, <laughs> it just, and I don't watch football that often. I really don't. But I just, I saw everybody being like, this is the worst game of all time. So I turned it on in a second. And my God, it was one of the worst sporting events I've ever watched. And to watch a professional hockey team play the day after just feels so good. Just like, wow. What a team. So much better than the Jets or the Giants. I have <laughs> I have watched 34 years worth of Mets baseball, Ryan. It's and true. there have been some absolutely atrocious teams that I have watched in my lifetime. Never, never has anything resembled whatever the fuck that Giant-Jet game was. I, I Words do not do it justice. I wish uh, Roger Angel was still alive, the great baseball writer, so that he could write about that football game. Because it deserves a Pulitzer to explain what in God's name happened there. What, what are the I, Look, the Rangers went 5-5, but I have to talk about this. One of the craziest things was all the videos afterwards. Like Joe Beningo of WFAM fame is doing a dance celebrating in, in, in the fucking Meadowlands parking lot. And dude, how could you be celebrating after that win? It's we can do. That? We can do an entire episode on WFAN if we really wanted to. We should do a BSBOT special on just WFAN. That's <sighs> a good idea. Yeah, that might have to happen. I'm, I'm a little sad. There's a lot to talk about. There cause... sure is. But yeah, anyway, the good sports. You know, people won't watch soccer in the United States, but they'll watch Jets Giants. Jets Giants was the worst thing I've ever experienced. Like, <laughs> like I would purposely go watch, and I'm a sicko and psychopath. I go to the room, the movie Midnight Showings. It's one of the worst movies ever, and it's so bad that it's good. Jets Giants was so bad, I just couldn't look away. It was a car crash. It wasn't good. There was nothing fun about it. I was like laughing because it just like the Giants quarterback had minus eight passing yards. But it wasn't even a fun car crash. It was. A, it was me driving in my Honda Fit going down a snowy hill, slowly fading into traffic at five miles an hour, How and sad I just can can't get? stop. Yes. How sad can this get? <laughs> uh, if only they had Peter Laviolette. Um, I, I, does that mean – is Dayball allowed back in the garden currently? No. Someone asked us – oh, it's a five-star. I won't oh, answer it? it now. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, we'll I say, actually, do you want to answer it now? It might be worth a full segment here. Look, I just think when you have the juju the Rangers have right now, you can't bring another juju. And Dayball, I know he was undefeated at the Garden when he was you in the playoffs. you got to be careful with uh, the way you're pronouncing some words here, buddy. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> Gregory. You know I'm talking about Juju Smith-Schuster, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I hear what you're saying. It's a, it's a dangerous time. 
Brian. Okay. Is all I'm going to say. You understand? No, you know exactly what I'm saying. There's <laughs> <laughs> there's some there's some bad uh, bad vibes. What the children call it, I believe. Uh-huh. Um, and you, you can't mix those up. So I don't think Dayball is allowed to really come to the garden for right um, now. Yeah, I'm saving it for re- the fi- I'm saving it for the five star because I have such a hot take. Just going to revoke uh, the pass. I it's I I'm so excited for the hot take I'm going to drop on you in five star. I'm going to tease it here. Yeah, I don't know. Trying to get back to the Ranger game, Ryan. I um, yeah, these podcasts are really hard. I it's just worst. because it's so hard when everything is going right, and it's almost like I, I want to just sit here and recap the games. It's like okay, Saturday the Rangers won. Here's how. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> there's no other take. Like the Kondre Miller goal was fucking sweet. The Rangers looked great, and that most. Of the, hey, look. What, here's something nice I could say. Credit to the Vancouver Canucks. They actually looked pretty good, and JT Miller got to score again, uh, which we all knew it was going to happen. And then all of a sudden, they get to overtime, and the Rangers are able to beat them. Uh, like, just find a way. They th- this team has found a way five games in a row, and one a couple of the games they didn't even find ways. They just destroyed. Um, but this that these are the games you're the most tired. These last two of the road trip, you you can even see it in the third period. They were exhausted, but they they they. Fought off the penalty kill, of which the ref, uh, I don't know why you can't review that kind of penalty where the guy just trips and then we can just see if he's tripped. I don't, but, I don't know because you go down a slippery slope. Then it, this is like when the NFL tried to review pass interference, and even when they had the review, you still had awful pass interference calls. Yeah, in real time, it looked like a trip from the ref's perspective. I get that. I, I acknowledge that. I can see in how. replay. It's awful. The guy falls down and Lindgren just so happened to have his stick in the vicinity. In real time, I don't I Would you rather a ref make a penalty call where there wasn't a penalty or not call a penalty where there was one? Because I think I'd rather err on the side of calling if it were the Rangers, right? Mm, and if, if yeah. that was a Ranger that I thought got phantom tripped. Would I feel – which one feels better for me? I think I'd rather them make a call that could result in chaos versus – first of all, it wasn't a trip in Vancouver. I got bad news for you. It's not a trip. It, I don't know if it was a trip. I saw the Valakat, um explanation of which, hey, they're both fighting for the same ice sort of situation, and I can see that. I could also see why Vancouver fans thought it was a trip. Sure. And That's I'm sure it. I would have felt the same way if the roles were reversed, but... I'm trying to call it even. That's all. Yeah, I I think that's a 50-50 call, and sometimes you just you can't make that call. But I also... I'm probably saying this because the Rangers ended up winning the game and it doesn't impact me personally. I was fine in the moment with them calling that penalty, even though on replay it was not a penalty. Okay. I guess that's fair. It's like they won the game. I, I was... Settling for a point, as you know. It's like, hey, look, nine points in a road trip. That's fucking awesome. I was settling for a loss before Adam Fox reminded me <laughs> that he had not scored his power play point yet. He's like, Greg, by the way, I need to do this <laughs> once a game. I, I it, don't know how this is possible. but I should, I should be keeping a running tab to see just how much money everybody would be up if they've bet 10 bucks every game I, on this. I'm sure there is a way to do that called an Excel spreadsheet, and then you can figure it out from there. Um, do you think it was weird? And I know I saw you tweet this out, so I'm, I'm kind of baiting you here. Uh-huh. Uh, Vancouver, the trip call, was it a trip or not, was the talk of the talk of the night. But the Rangers won this game, so we won't ever hear about that trip again. Yeah. 
Um, man, it's mostly Wyshynski, I should say. I, I I didn't see many other people. Oh, I didn't really even see Wish talk about it, so that's kind of on me. Yeah, it was. I saw he was in Johnny's replies. Ah, uh, and it uh, well, just well, they're best wrong. friends. So oh, yeah, of course, yeah, of Johnny. course. Well, Johnny knows the people in the industry. Have you heard about this? <laughs> hey, Johnny, he's, he's gonna listen to this and text you. I and be know, like, what I'm the fuck did I ever I, do to you, man? I, I, nothing. You didn't know um, yeah, I. It was mostly with Shinsky. I also just get confused. I th- once again, Ryan, mm. this is a Greg thing. I get it. Devils fans care too much about the Rangers. I yeah, thought about weird. this again the other day. I still don't have the Devils in my top four, and this comes off the <laughs> god awful. I don't, Ryan. I I don't. <laughs> it's, it's I, don't. I if if I am well aware of anything the Penguins are doing at any point in time. To be fair, I, yeah, I, I was just about to make fun of myself. I was like, hey, did you see the Penguins last night? <laughs> yeah, I am well aware of what the Penguins are doing at any point in time. I still hate the Flyers more than them. I yeah. still think the Islanders are a better in in, in Metro rival. And at best, I can put the Devils at four. At best. But it is some distance there. I just, I, I, I don't understand how on a Saturday night when your hockey team isn't playing that you're giving a shit about a hockey game not involving your favorite team and you're worked up about it. That being said, if the if the Penguins get blown up seven to nothing, I will be. There. Oh, I will fire off jokes <laughs> I will every day. I will. But be I just, there. oh my god, it, this was a te- a game that started after ten o'clock. <laughs> On a Saturday night, and I'm seeing Devils fans that stayed up that late to then cry that the Rangers won? What are you doing? You're a loser. You're a fucking loser. I have no other words for you. None. But I will insult the Penguins. But, <laughs> Ryan, I do it the next morning because I'm not paying attention to it at 1 o'clock. I'm sorry. I, I, hey, I, some people work night day jobs, I guess. I don't know. I have night better jobs. things to do. If I'm awake at 1 o'clock on a Saturday, Ryan, I promise you I have better things to yeah, do. Yeah, you, you're, you're correct. You were absolutely correct. Uh, is there anything else from, like, the road trip, especially the last three games that we want to point out? <laughs> In terms of, like, hey, the power play is clicking. Seems like that's kind of nice. I really like these three defensive pairs. Um, I think even the Gustav Schneider pair has been pretty freaking good. Schneider's, Schneider Schneider in after a couple rough games to start the season. Yeah, he's he's figured it out. And uh, I know there was a, a little bit of a misnomer tonight on the second play, the second goal for the Jets, but that's okay. I'm going to forgive that one. We all kind of uh, we, th- they all kind of left the to die there. I thought for a couple seconds if I should be frustrated that the Rangers aren't putting the puck in the back of the net at five v five the last two games. At the same time, this isn't. This isn't like previous years, especially under Gallant, where not only were they not scoring at 5v5, they couldn't get the puck on their own stick. They couldn't possess the puck. The New York Rangers are possessing the puck. They are setting up the offense. They are dictating play at 5v5. I think this is one of those stretches where it just so happened the puck isn't routinely going in in the back of the net. But I... like. even though they're not scoring at 5v5 and the power play is dominating as much as it is, I'm unlike in previous years, I'm not worried about how they're looking at 5v5 because the top three lines are fucking humming. And at no point, there are a couple instances tonight where the Rangers got caught in their own zone and couldn't seem to get the puck out. But it has happened with such infrequency this year. I'm legitimately not in the slightest bit worried. No, sir. Me- me either, and I'm looking just at the last five games because we did record after the Kraken game last week, so mm-hmm. we haven't really talked about Flames or Oilers. Uh, the Oilers game was a decimation. Uh, uh, just uh, no McDavid equals uh, we don't know what we're doing. Just 
we talked about it on OT. If you want to listen to it, feel free. But just smother Dreisaitl. And the, even the Flames game wasn't... It was like a no-sweat situation. It's like, okay, well, that's kind of it. We just win this game now on accident. Um, and then they win two 60-minute games. And games, they like, look, it's overtime. It could have gone to the shootout, and we could have been one point. Who cares? But... This is this is what makes good teams great teams, right? This is what we always talk about, the consistency and being able to win these sorts of games. It reminds me a lot of the team from two years ago, if that makes sense. Goliath year one? Yeah, they, were, they just kind of like hung around. But at the same time, the Glant year one didn't really have easy wins. Like they, they, Glant year one doesn't beat the Oilers 3 nothing with Jonathan Quick in the shutout. No, which is still, I don't still think hilarious. so. Jonathan Quick got a shutout. Dude, I forgot this that is that where happened we're at. this week. I know. This is oh, like, my God. Like if we, like, uh, I, I should have written down an agenda of weird and wild things that happened this week, but Jonathan Quick was getting a shutout is definitely one of them. I, Who, I who's the Oilers. Who's the worst Ranger right now? Is it Blake this Wheeler? Is a great topic. This is, I don't even. It might be Wheeler by default, but in his defense, he's playing such inconsequential minutes that I don't care. I think it might be Goodrow. I don't know. I still think Goodrow's doing good stuff on the penalty kill. I, at 5v5, you're right. That entire fourth line is tough at 5v5. But Bonino's winning important faceoffs. VC's, yeah, that's why I didn't say him. And I didn't say VC because VC is a defensive-minded winger who's doing pretty well. I, Bonino, VC, and whichever one of Goodrow, Pitlick, those four guys are here to kill penalties. Whatever they do at 5v5, as long as they aren't getting... They're getting caved in, but they're not surrendering goals. So if they want to keep generating negative offense go for it they are here to make sure we're not giving up a ton of goals on the penalty kill and they're doing their job i'm just not gonna worry about what they do at five on five especially again when those top nine is humming along like they are i'm really really excited it's it's kind of hard and a little rare for me to get super up for regular season games but i'm this is this hurricane game is going to have that kind of like ooh, if we win this one i really feel it like i know it's the regular season doesn't matter but there's a couple times a year where like the games get a little special and i feel like that one on thursday is really lining up for it uh, like rangers islanders is always special no matter what it's the 10th game of the year i'm, I just, know, I'm, I'm just i'm pumped. already i already see live. i listen i get it i see i just see the narratives <laughs> i'm going to be telling you during ot Oh, yeah. Hey, look. We lost 3-2. It's hard. <laughs> uh, the Ra- I will say this. If the Rangers win, I am fa- I am going to – we're going to start having the conversation of if the Hurricanes don't keep Rod, do you walk away from LaViolette? Oh, God. <laughs> Stop getting I'm getting in there. The, the, well, na- now it's hard, right? It's actually hard. <laughs> it's actually hard right now. This is, this is when the stock is up situation. Like this, oh, yeah. is, this is the sell, uh, the sell high. This is, I don't know if Laviolette stock is ever going to get higher than this unless he mm-hmm. wins the cup. It's it is. I mean, the guy's Q rating right now is astronomical. I can't, <laughs> I, I, I can't, I can't say a bad thing about the guy. What do you want me to say? I don't, I, I don't, I don't have anything. It's wild. All right. Um, do you want to get to our interview with with Rick, where he'll tell me I'll hate the coach in about two weeks? <laughs> And a random defensive player? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. You know, Rick like just rattles off a bunch of tropes that we talk about all the time, and he's, it's, it's been the same for like 40 years. It's same thing all the time. Um, so anyway, we'll transition over our friend Rick. We'll come back and do some five-star questions, and we will uh, see you there. Transition. Hey, yo, I'm here to tell you about our ticket sponsor for the entire New York Rangers season, TickPick. TickPick 
is a website for tickets. You're never going to believe that. But the best part about it is the price you see is the price you get. That's right. Hashtag no fees. When you log into TickPick, what you're going to be able to do is search for a Ranger game or any other game for that fact and look for the best deals by score. I love looking at the best deals. Says like I love seeing like an A- minus for super cheap at a game near me. It's one of my favorite feelings. Actually, whenever I go to Flyers Rangers, I use TickPick. It's super easy. And what I'm going to do for you, because you are such loyal listeners, I'm going to give you a code. It's called BlueShirts15. And for 50, you get $15 off any order placed over $99 in the app. That's right. If you're, it's for one time, all users can get $15 off when you place an order over $99 in the app when you're using codes BlueShirts15. Just let them know. It's like a free $15 from Blue Shirts Breakaway. You're going to go to the Ranger game anyway. You buy tickets on TickPick, our official ticket sponsor. All right, back to the show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey, we're back with our first and only guest of the day. He is an author and a longtime beat writer of the New York Rangers. He's recently written a book called The Franchise, a curated history of the blue shirts. Our dear friend, Rick Carpinello. Rick, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. So nice to see you again. Uh, it's so nice to be with you guys again. And, uh, uh, it's been too long, man. Really, where, where have you been? You know, You've been hiding. Always, and you know, it's always fun. It's always funny, and it's always fun. So really, uh, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Yeah, Look, likewise. I got the book. Uh, I can't. I, I was thinking this le- legitimately, and this is. Um, I was riding around my bike. I was like, I actually don't know if there's a better person to write a book like this than Rick. You've kind of been around through the whole thing. You've been through the, through the ins and outs of the Rangers organization. You've seen it all. Um, was there any part of this book that was even hard for you to write? You've pretty much lived it. It's almost an autobiography without talking about yourself. Well, and, but I do talk about myself, too. I mean, I, I talk about my, you know, my career, too, and some of the crazy things that have happened. You know, I was telling some of my fellow beat writers, or fellow former beat writers, the other day that I probably could have written three or four times as much. Um, that was, and that was the hard part was was cutting it down to what it turned out to be. Um, if I talked about some of the adventures we had on the beat, we'd I'd still be writing it, and you know, I finished a year ago. So, but the other stuff was um, somewhere in the back of my failing brain. Uh, I had these stories, and I, I wanted to get most of them out. And it's I spent about a year compiling a file of just stories that I wanted to tell, and I didn't tell all of them. So um, it, it was hard paring them down, but uh, but it was a, it was a, a book that I was able to write without doing a lot of extra work. Um, in addition to going back and and, uh, and reading some of my old stories and reading some other. Uh, sites stories just to remind myself of, of how things went and what was said at certain times i really didn't interview a lot of extra people to write this book it was so it was it was pretty much you know from the brain to the to the typewriter what uh what version of the book included the chapter about blue shirts breakaway yeah that was going to be the that was going to be the first chapter and then you know we had some just <laughs> 
had some disagreements about whether it should be the last <laughs> chapter. Uh, but somebody cut it out, I think. Yeah, no, I mean, you could have painted the scene, the the, the dimly lit bar for yep. people who subscribe to The Athletic New York. We, uh, yeah, so people don't know, don't know the story. It's pretty funny. Like, look, uh, Rick, you're, you're maybe not the nicest person on Twitter. You're the nicest person I've ever met in person. And I didn't know that at the time. Like, I had, I had no idea. So we were going to this event and being like, we're finally going to meet Rick. It wasn't like a confronting situation, but we were just curious, trying to network. And we came up and we started talking to you. It was like, oh my God, Rick is the nicest guy I've ever met. Like, what is going on? <laughs> but but, it, but uh, let me clarify, though, that it was it was a dark bar and there were a fair amount of people there. There were. You guys were lurking in the back with your, <laughs> with your shirts on, right? With your blue yeah. shirts, breakaway shirts on. It's such nerds. And and it was confrontational at the start. And I, it wasn't comfortable. And then, and then we talked a while and... I think you know. I think when I I think I bought you guys a beer and I that you really, did that really yeah that really settled you down. That that seemed to be like <laughs> like the milk bones, you know, <laughs> milk bone. You got to feed the dogs. That's what we're doing. But we uh, immediately but, after that sung your phrases for a very very long likewise. time. <laughs> likewise, too. Right? You guys are good guys. You're a little bit nuts, which is great. Um, oh, I, I I think you're selling us short by just saying a little bit. We yeah, know we're full we're yeah. full blown crazy. You yeah. can say it, but you know what. And I've said this in places recently, too. The Ranger fans are, right? I mean, Ranger fans are nuts. And, and they're they're nuts in a really good and great way. Some of them are nuts in a, in a bad way. Not, not too many. Um, but they're nuts. And you have to be nuts to sell out a building of 18200 or whatever the heck it is these days. Year after year after year with one championship in 83 years. And if they go another 83 years with one championship or none, they'll sell out. It'll still be sold out and people will still buy the jerseys and people will still go on all the, all the sites so they can make their crazy comments. Um, They'll (laughs) still hate every coach. There's always going to be a defenseman that everybody hates. And there's always going to be complaining about some fourth or fourth liner, the, 12th or 13th forward and it's great i mean the passion is is amazing like how do you how do you get that kind of passion? like i never had that passion when i was a kid growing up as a fan i used to go to yankee stadium i didn't care what the standing said or who the manager was or i just wanted to see him win that day and if they won that day i went away happy and if they lost that day i was like ah you know if i get them tomorrow i never had that that passion i never understood that passion until the dawn of comments under stories. You know, we didn't get that when we just had newspapers. Um, and, and then I realized in blogs and other and other areas where people were allowed to comment how nuts these fans are. And and I honestly mean that in a almost a hundred percent good way. They're they're nuts. And you guys are the chief nuts, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> So, but I, but I appreciate, I've come to appreciate that, that craziness and that passion for the team and for the sport. And I assume for other sports for you guys too, that, that's just, it's something that, um, I've, in, I guess in the last maybe 20 years, maybe 17 years, whatever, I've come to realize that, that, that it's, it's a great craziness that you all possess. 
Uh, let me do a natural plug here because it seems to be the right way. I think we say this all the time on the show. If you are listening to the show, you are a psychopath for the most part. <laughs> um, and if you are listening to the show, that also means you'll enjoy the franchise. It's something. It's a book that literally covers everything in Rangers history. And, and I kind of want to go into some of those, I don't know, more crazy moments. I know you kind of told the story on on, uh, on New Ice City, Vince Mercargliano's podcast, in case everybody wants to check it out, of you um, you getting like walking into a party with Marc Messier after the cup. But is there any other, like, obviously that's an incredibly memorable moment, an awesome thing. But is there any like crazy story you were even like, should I put this in the book or no? Um, I don't think there's anything that I didn't want to put in the book. Um, I'm trying to think if there was. I don't think there was, but there were some. There were some stories in there. I mean, I told a story in there, and it's just a short. Uh, there's a lot of sh- quick hit, quick hit type stories in there. Um, it's a short one. Uh, I was in Calgary in the early 2000s, probably maybe late 90s, probably early 2000s, um, and I was generally the last person out of the press box each night because I had later deadlines and. Uh, so I was able to, you know, stay in there longer and write longer. And I had more space usually. And uh, so on this night in Calgary, I was the last one out of the press box again. And you have to wind your way out of the arena and find a door that's not locked to get out. And, you know, so, and it's a, you know, it's a foreign arena to me. Well, I go out and I had no idea it snowed while during the game. And it <laughs> snowed a lot. It was like, you know, a foot and a half of snow. I go out and the big metal door slams behind me. Now you can't get back in. Oh, no. And so there, I don't have a cell phone. We don't have cell phones at that point. I don't have uh, any way of connect of connecting with anybody. I don't know how to get to my hotel if I could walk through this snow. I don't know how to get there. There's no cabs. There's no cars on the streets. I'm, I'm going to die out there. I'm, I am going <laughs> to freeze to death in the snow in Calgary. How perfect, right, for a hockey writer. And I sit out there for a few minutes trying to think how I'm going to survive. And sure enough, the door opens and Brian Sutter comes out. He's the last man in the building. And he puts his arm around me and says, what are you doing out here? (laughs) What the F are you doing out here? And I said, (laughs) I'm basically going to freeze to death is what I'm doing. I said, I don't have no idea how to get back to my hotel. And he takes me to his pickup truck. And he, and he drives me back to my hotel in his four-wheel pickup truck. And he you were seconds for death, Rick. Hmm? Yeah, you really were. There's nothing <laughs> you were going to be able to do there. Yeah, I mean, but... I, I didn't know what I was going to do. So, I mean, Brian Sutter might have saved my life. If he didn't save my life, he certainly saved me a lot of pain and suffering. And and uh, <laughs> he was the coach of the Flames, and God bless him. And, you know, the Sutters have, have caused the Ranger fans a lot of yes. magic over the years. But uh, I will forever be indebted to Mr. Brian Sutter. Rick, you mentioned earlier, Ranger fans, we have a propensity of picking a fight with certain head coaches. We'll get to LaViolette in a second, but I'm curious, in your opinion, I'm sure you write about this in the book, which coach do you think got the most vitriol from Ranger fans in your time covering the team? Um, I guess there are levels, um, because I think, you know, Brian Trache was never embraced for a moment, nor should he have been. Um, and, and and likewise, I think maybe a guy like John Muckler didn't get enough vitriol. But I think for a guy who was as accomplished as he was and had the record that he did as Rangers coach, and you know where I'm going, Alain Vigneault, <laughs> I think, 
easily got the most vitriol, um, you know, considering all those things. Uh, his record is, you know, compared to other Rangers coaches, it's, it's untouchable. And I think that, uh, I think, you know, maybe you guys can tell me what you think, because I know that you guys didn't like him. And, and I know that most Ranger fans hated him. Um, but they've also hated everybody since then and, and a few guys before that. I hated, I hated him at the end. Yeah. I am on record saying he was the perfect guy for those 2013, 2014, 2015 teams. Mm-hmm. That he was, he was right for that group. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't right for a rebuild, which is what the Rangers should have been able to realize a lot sooner yeah. than they did. It got ugly at the end. Didn't like him at the end. Yeah. Um, it's tough because Ranger coaches throughout the 2000s were just generic dudes I didn't have opinions about. Mm-hmm. Um, I, As much as I love Tortorella, I loved him in a way where I never thought he was a good coach. But yeah. my God, did he entertain me. Yeah. Um, and I'll say I'll say this, all right? You, you have to give Ryan and I credit. We were pretty sympathetic to Quinn throughout his entire <laughs> tenure. We were, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, whether that's good or bad, well, uh, I, and then I thought Gerard that, Glenn came in after that. Yeah. So I thought I thought that a lot was misunderstood about Quinn. Um, I thought he accomplished his mission statement, which was to see them through the rebuild. I mean, <laughs> what else could he do? He was a teacher first and foremost. Uh, he tried to teach kids like Kako how to how to win, how to play both ends of the ice. He you know, he had kids like Adam Fox, and he, he taught him how to use his body in the defensive zone and to be a good defensive defenseman. Uh, you know, other guys, Ryan Lindgren, Keandre Miller, these guys learned under him. You know, Mika Zibanejad had his best years ever under Quinn. Artemi Panarin had his best year ever under Quinn. Um, you know, it goes on pretty pretty strong and pretty long. Now, was he going to be around for the end? No, he knew. When the corner arrived to turn, he wasn't going to be the head coach. Um, and could he have been? Probably not. I, you know, I don't, I don't know that for sure, but probably he probably would have been the wrong guy. But I think for what he was hired to do, he did it. And, you know, I, well, well, he didn't play Lafreniere on the power play. Well, come on. You know, I mean. The power play still works right now, Carp, and it's still his creation. Like, the, it's still Quinn's power play. It is. It absolutely is. And, you know, you well, they only, the kids only get 20 or 30 seconds. Well, what do you want? Do you want Zabanejad and Panarin leaving the ice when they're in the zone with the puck? I mean, you want those guys going for a change? It, it's, I think the logic there is, is a little skewed. And I, I thought Quinn did a good job. I thought, uh, you know, I, I, I thought he's a better coach on the ice in terms of uh, system and in terms of uh, adjustment, adjusting, than Gallant. Well, I'm going to say that. You're the right place. Yeah, you're you're barking up the right tree. I'll say, (laughs) as much as we defended Quinn, he came with his faults, right? He was a bit quick to change lines in-game. He didn't trust what he would set up before the game started. He he was herky-jerky, but that's kind of what you expect from a first-time NHL coach, right? A guy that's going from the college game. Right, and he wanted to win while he was teaching. 
There's no right. Yeah. Which, maybe, he, maybe he should not. Should not have. Right. And that, you know, he's learned that. Le- I think he's learned that lesson now because he ain't trying to win in San Jose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're, you, you're home now, Rick, if you ever want to get anything off your chest about <laughs> Gerard Gallant because it's, uh, it's only, it, this is tough. Okay. Right. The Rangers are six and two. It's only been eight games. They look great right now. Yeah. I'm sure there's going to be a stretch in January where we all have problems with Laviolette and he's not doing what we want him to do and blah, blah, blah. At the same time, the New York Rangers won what? 220 points with Gerard Gallant under the helm and went yeah. to a Eastern Conference final in which they were at one point up to nothing in game three while having a two games to none series lead. It's hard to sit here and say Gerard Gallant was an awful coach. At the same time, the more evidence piles up, the more it's just obvious he didn't do much coaching. Exactly. And he did and he didn't. And you know, there's a lot of caveats to to his record. I mean, that first year when he was the coach, that lead the NHL, the entire NHL and especially the Eastern Conference was split down the middle. These are the eight teams that are good, these are the eight teams that suck. And the eight teams that are good all fatten their records against the teams that stunk. Uh, the playoffs, the, team, the eight teams that were going to the playoffs were decided by Christmas. And then he goes into the playoffs, and let's not forget, he beat a second-string goalie and a third-string goalie. He beat Pittsburgh without after Sidney Crosby went down. Uh, you know, <laughs> these are all things you have to, if you're going to be honest with yourself, consider. Now, would the, you know? Was it great that they came from behind and won those series? Yeah, yeah. But did we also say, man, he got out coached that game for a couple of the games against Carolina in Carolina, the first three, I guess. You know, he got he got his pants taken off, and it's bad. Uh, you know, there were no adjustments. Um, there there wasn't a system that you want to play against a good team in the playoffs. Grant, okay. Full marks. They won those two series, and they were halfway home to beating Tampa, and and that would have been incredible. And and a lot of credit goes to the players too. But let's not say him going to the Eastern Conference Final was the same as whatever the you know the ninety six ninety seven team going to the Conference Final or even the uh, eighty five eighty six teams going to the Conference Final. It's not the same. It's not. It's a different animal. No, and they had more talent than they knew what to do with last year. It's like you look at the guys they had on. Like yeah. I know the names are the names, and they're maybe they're not what they used to be, but still, the talent up and down the roster was unbelievable. And to not make one adjustment, uh, it kills me to this day. It, hurt, it hurts every <laughs> yeah. single day, Rick. And I don't, I don't want to kill him. Do. I don't want to. And again, I'm not here to say he was a terrible. Oh coach. yeah, no. Like because you know there, when you when you go from one from a coach who barks and honks and. To to you need to, the next coach has to be more of a player's guy, and that's the way it always or almost always goes. You know, it went from Rennie to Tortorella, it went from Tortorella to Vigneault. You know, it goes. Yep. It goes. It goes that way. It bounces back and forth. You know, Roger Nielsen to to Mike Keenan, back to Colin Campbell. It's so that's the way it goes. Um, and he was that. Uh, he had a lot of trust in his players, which is, is also a good trait in a lot of ways, but. I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame based on those two seasons. 
Same. I think I think this is a good time to talk about 94 uh, because <laughs> Greg and I, uh, during the pandemic, we still did two podcasts a week. No idea how we did that. <laughs> um, but on top of that, we, uh, we, we rewatched the entire 94 playoffs. It was like a big thing for us. Yep. Um, and one of our big takeaways was that the players all hated Mike Keenan mm-hmm. and that they won in spite of him. Uh, you were there. Can you tell us if that's true? Well, it's close to true. Um, Mark Messier didn't hate him, and that's what mattered. Uh, Keenan was very sure to have Messier in his corner from day one, uh, and and he did. So I don't think um, some of the players didn't hate him. A lot of the players wanted to fight him. A lot of a lot of the people around the organization wanted to fight him every day. Uh, if you're telling me that, and this is all in the book, that there wasn't chaos from from October to June, then you're lying. There, there was. I mean, it was, it was Keenan, and he almost sabotaged it multiple times in the Devil Series. He almost sabotaged it during the Stanley Cup Finals when he's negotiating with other teams with four years remaining on his contract. He almost sabotaged it when he wanted to, between games six and seven of the Stanley Cup Final, take the team to Lake Placid to get away from the media for a day. I mean, you know, Messier and Kevin Lowe had to talk him out of that. Um, he almost sabotaged the whole thing. Now, he won. How many coaches in the last 83 years have won the Stanley Cup? With the one, Rangers? my friend. And one, exactly. And and he, you know, and the GM too. Um, and he can't get a job in the NHL. So, the, so, you know, all full marks to Mike Keenan. He came... He conquered. He won. Just he won the Stanley Cup. Uh, to say they won it despite him is a bit strong. Uh, to say they won it because of him is way too strong. And <laughs> you know, I mean, they that team was great. <laughs> that team that was the best team in the league. They beat the second best team in the league in the conference finals, um, and and they nearly nearly coughed it up a couple of times. Now. One of the things in my book, and I just go into this briefly, is this. If they lose game six in, in the Meadowlands, which they they were on way to they were on their way to do it. They were gonna lose that game if Mike Richter lets in one more. And Mike Richter was better than Mark Messier that day. <laughs> that, that was the Messier guarantee game. Mike Richter was better than Mark Messier that day. Otherwise they lose that game. If Matteau doesn't score in double overtime in Game Seven. Somebody else on the Devil scores, Zalapukin or or Riche. Suppose somebody else scores. What if they lose Game Seven against Vancouver? You know all these if 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 ifs, right? If they lose any of those games, we're now zero for eighty three. How are we looking back at Mark Messier? Is he a coach mm. killer in ninety three, and a guy who couldn't get them across the finish line? How are we looking at – I mean, Brian Leach's number goes up in the rafters no matter what. But do Adam Graves and Mike Richter's numbers go up in the rafters? Yeah, you know, all these things are legit questions if they had lost one of those games. And they nearly lost all three of them. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to say there. They, Going- they, were, they were a great team. They won a great championship. They will live forever in the hearts of New York people. Uh, Mark Messier said he's bought a few drinks since then in New York, but not very many. And uh, you know, it's a it's a 
it's a it's a discussion to have. And I didn't go into it too deeply, but what if you know? What if? Where are we? If if that didn't happen? Yeah, going going back and rewatching the series, one thing that stood out to both Ryan and I is the Messier guarantee hat trick is yeah. maybe the biggest wet fart hat trick I've ever seen with my own two eyes. <laughs> like it's like you think you, you hear the stories of it growing up. You have the memory of it when you're a little kid and Ryan, in my case, and you think it was this glorious moment of sports excellence. And there's some of the ugliest goals I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. And one of them's an empty netter. So yeah. it's like, I don't know about that, but the, I have two big 94 questions I want to ask you, Rick. Yeah, before you do just the, the empty netter was an empty netter, but let's face it. The Devils were going to score on that power play. <laughs> yes, and so, so I mean that was a pretty big empty netter. Well, that's fair. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was Game Five um, mm-hmm. against the Devils, mm-hmm. and I'm curious. How do you think you talked about Ranger fans being crazy and all the ways we have to express our psychosis on the internet these days? Where do you think Ranger fans would be if Gerard Gallant, David Quinn, Peter Laviolette, whoever, benched Adam Fox for over a period and a half of a playoff game in the Eastern Conference Finals against a division rival like Mike Keenan did Brian Leach? Amazing, right? And then, you know, he also benched Messier a little bit. Uh, and then he pulled Richter. <laughs> so, so he it's pulled Shesterkin and put in, you know... Jonathan Quick, uh, what if, you know, and when, then it was a two-goal game, if I recall correctly. Yep. He does not pull Glenn Healy for an extra skater at the end. Okay? <laughs> Did he quit? Did he just go home? You know, the, if there were social media back then throughout that series, throughout those playoffs, throughout that regular season, it would have been bizarre. You'd it'd be stuff you'd still be talking about. You know, they wouldn't. You guys probably wouldn't have anything to complain about ever again. <laughs> you'd have no, you'd have no fingertips left from from you know putting your comments on on the internet and on Twitter and on or whatever. It's, whatever we still call it Twitter. You're in the right place. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it would be t- it, if if Twitter had been invented, then it would still have been Twitter. <laughs> but, yeah, that's true. So, yeah, you they, know, Ryan, Ryan and I came away from that series. We've always loved Brian Leach, but we don't give Brian Leach the level of love he probably deserves based off 94. Yeah. But you're, you're talking what ifs, Rick, and I want to ask you, it's still my favorite what It's my second favorite what if. Lindros is still my top what if in Ranger history. But the trade I always go back to when it comes to building the 94 team that I have the most trouble with is, and this is, this is, Timely, because they just retired his number and inducted him into their Hall of Fame. Trading Doug Waite for Essa Tikkanen. Yep. It, it's, it sounds weird to say, because, listen, I understand how important Tikkanen was to that 94 Cup run. I understand his relationship with Messier. I understand leaning veteran over young kid down the middle for a New York Ranger team that desperately wanted to get over the hump. And I get selling your soul for the title. Lord knows I'd do it in a heartbeat for the Mets. I understand this completely. At the same time, God damn it, did they need a Doug Waite? Like their entire history, yeah. have they waited for a guy like Doug Waite? Yeah. And they shipped him off, uh, probably traded more than they needed to in order to get Deacon in. And to me, Rick, that's the one I, a lot of people like to say, Amante, you don't even need to hear my opinions of Glenn fucking Anderson and how awful he is. Yeah. But the one that 
weighs heavy on me, pun intended, is Doug Waite. Yeah, that's uh, that's all very fair. I mean, uh, I was a little critical of of Waite as a kid because I didn't think he moved his feet enough. I, you know, I thought he was I thought he watched plays a lot and he he got stuck uh, standing still in the defensive zone a lot. But that that was all part of the learning process. Um, and Tikkanen gave them a lot. Let's uh, you know, let's be very, very honest. Um, Tikkanen gave them a ton that they needed. But and Tikkanen came before the other guys. So when they got Tikkanen, they really were lacking in in that uh, experience, championship experience department. But you're right. I mean, that that's in in hindsight. In, in whatever, even foresight, that's a really tough trick to, trade to make. And the Monte trade, I agree with you 100%. I still think they could have won the cup with Monte. I think they still could have won the cup with Gartner over Anderson. Well, um, well that's because Glenn Anderson did fucking nothing. Like, but even we, if he did. Rick, we watched those games. I got to tell you, I, I would have been crushing Keenan for seven different things. I wish social media existed in 1994. I would have been so mean to Glenn Anderson. Yeah. Like, I... Easily the I like I had so many one-liners ready to go for his lack of doing anything yeah. in the playoffs, and and it was his ridiculous retaliatory stick foul that set up the power play at the end of Game Six that allowed Messier to score the shorthanded goal. So, and he was he was an undisciplined player. Um, you know, I think he was. You know, he's a good guy. Uh, they they loved having him around. He's he's a Hall of Fame player with his entire resume but yeah he's not a better player than Mike Gardner first of all and Mike Gardner probably would have done more to help that team win in my opinion they at least won and that's the good news um (laughs) now I want to talk a little about another what if um I think about what ifs a lot especially in the 2010s as Ranger fans likely do look I think the King series no matter what you say they lost in double overtime a couple times the King's we're probably the better team. The biggest what if for me, Rick, is when Matt Zuccarello gets hit in the head and loses his ability to speak and is no longer able to play. I think if Matt Zuccarello is available in those series, especially against the Bay Lightning, they do end up going to the finals and, and likely winning. Are, are Is that something you feel as well? Because that's one that haunts me on a daily basis. Yeah, and yeah, I do. I, I do feel that way. And, and I've, But also, you know, Girardi, Stahl, McDonough, and um, Yandel were all hurt. You know, all four of them were hurt. You know, McDonough was getting his foot frozen for game set, game seven. I know. And so those guys were all banged up. And I thought that team that lost to Tampa in game seven was the team that would go, was the team with the best chance to win the Stanley Cup, better than the 2014 team. Um I thought that team was was built better, and it it didn't. Um, but Zuccarello was a was a huge loss, and I and and to be honest, Zuccarello then wasn't. He was a really good player then. You know, he wasn't a great player then. When by the time they traded him, he he was pretty close to being a great player. Uh, but yeah, I, that was that was a big loss, and it was and it was such a freaky thing, and it was such a frightening thing, such a scary thing for for him, for anybody who knew him, and for all of his friends on the team. It was yeah, just an awful situation. 
Diving a little bit into the, this year, Rick, before we let you go. Again, we're, this is game night nine. We're recording before the Jets game. Your thoughts on the early season Rangers this year? Don't know how much you've been able to watch. You're off the beat. You're retired. You don't got to be in the press room anymore. There may have been a couple nights, especially some of those 10 o'clock starts that I don't even want to stay up for. I'm sure you didn't either. But your impression of the early season Rangers coming out to a really strong start, even without goals from Mika Zibanejad and Phil Hedl at this point. Yeah. I think they both have one disallowed too, right? That's right. That's um, correct. Okay. So I have watched almost – Every game, almost every minute of every game, I've dozed on, on a couple of the ten o'clock games. I've dozed off at points, <laughs> but makes uh, sense. Uh, and I've also, you know, flipped back and forth to the World Series a little bit. So, um, but I've watched them, and I think that you know, I think it it looks like the the trajectory of the young players is good, uh, and for I think this team is still a, close to being a contender. If those kids take those steps, I, I think the the one three one that they play now by March, you guys will be sick of it. It's going to be they're going to be so freaking boring to watch um, in in game and in many nights that in the dog days of the season they're going to be like watching the Devils or the more recent Islanders teams. They're going to be playing low event hockey, but they have the offense to when they counter to do some damage. That one three one. as much as I hate it, as much as it's an eyesore, you need to have something like that in place in April. Simple as that. And they did not have that last year. They didn't have any way of slowing down Jack Hughes and the Devils. And they still, they still could have won that series. I think that what they're doing now is they're building – a way to play for April. And that is so perfect a way to, to approach this season. They're going to make the playoffs. Uh, they're going to they're going to be a get-in team that has a chance. And but they have to have a way to play. And what I'm seeing is a team that's learning how to do that. I think their power play is going to be fine. Zabanajed's going to be fine. Panarin's going to be great. Fox is going to be great. Shesterkin's going to be great. If Hedl continues to play the way he has, if Lafreniere continues, uh, I think they need more from Keandre Miller. They're going to be a team, and Kako too, obviously. I, I think, although in my opinion, Kako's a better fit for Panarin than Lafreniere is because... Uh, they hate playing together, Rick. This has I, been my big theory for years. I know it, for but, years. But Panarin needs a guy who's going to play along the wall Who's going to hold the puck? Who's going to Who's going to be defensively responsible? And I don't know that Lafreniere is that guy yet. So we'll see. But at any rate, that's what I see. What I see is a team that's pretty good right now, but more importantly, is building the foundation for the team they're going to need to be in April, and then hopefully in May, and then maybe, maybe if everything aligns in June. That's That's what I think of this team. I think it's a good evaluation. Uh, and and look, one of the the uh, things you could say in playoff hockey is all you need is a hot goalie. No. Well, last year, Igor Shosturkin was as hot as it could get. Yeah. <laughs> they still lost in seven. Yeah. So that, no, that doesn't really no, matter. You don't. It, I mean, hot goalies lose too uh, in the playoffs. You know, plenty of them do. And then every once in a while you get Aiden Hill. 
right? And then you get, you know, you get guys who are who who won the Stanley Cup for which uh, Hall of Fame goalie won the Stanley Cup for Colorado? You know, it's yeah, you need good goaltending. Yes, you need maybe great goaltending sometimes, but and and certainly having a Shesterkin or a Lundqvist or a Richter sure helps your chances. Um, but you you have to play. You can't have your goalie facing 15 two-on-ones. You can't have your goalie uh, bailing you out when you're stuck in your own end for, for a minute 50, a minute six, you know, a minute and 55 seconds. You can't have that. And the Rangers uh, over the year, over recent years, despite their record, have given up odd man rush after odd man rush who have been pinned in their own end and not just the fourth line and not just the third line. You know, Zabanjad's been pinned in, the, in his end and Panarin's been pinned in his end. That these are things that have to get into the rearview mirror if this team's going to win. And I think that that's what they're trying to build here. That I think that's the thing. It's, you know, could they win with Aiden Hill? I don't know. You know, yeah, probably, probably not. <laughs> yeah, probably not. But but uh, you know, I mean, but they have Shostakin, so that's yep. that's that's a worry they don't have this year. Um, the, the teams that have great goaltending don't worry. The teams that don't, like Edmonton, and you say, well, can they win with what they have? You know, but there's there's both sides of that coin. The Rangers already have that. The Rangers don't have to worry about Shostakin as long as he's healthy. They're fine. But the, no, all the other things they need they need to get straightened out. They need to get the house in order. Um, before April. Edmonton has two absolute star players and then a bunch of, what is happening here? And that's kind of it. <laughs> um, Greg, you're good with the questions for our dear friend, Rick? Oh, I was just going to ask, you mentioned watching the World Series, Rick. So now I got to, did you make? Did you get all your anti-Scherzer bets in today like I did? It's very important stuff. Uh, my money means way too much to me to gamble. <laughs> <laughs> Especially now that I don't make any. <laughs> Good point. So, uh, well, let's help you make some. Yeah. You can find the franchise, the New York Rangers, the New York Curated History of the Blue Shirts on Amazon or anywhere you can find books today. It is available for purchase. It is written by our good friend, dear Rick, our, our good dear friend, Rick Carpinello. Sorry about that, Rick. My brain just exploded because I was looking at the cover and this great book. Um, anything else you want to plug these days? Hey, Rick? you know what? I took the cover photo. Did you? You like it? Look at you, you artist. This is This is nice. Pretty good, right? It's classy, yeah. It's good. Uh, I should get extra money for that. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't. Come on, you got it. What you yeah, need is you. you need a better negotiator, Rick. This right. is where I come in. Right. Yeah, call Greg. I should have called uh, Greg. Rick, cannot thank you enough. And we'll uh, hopefully we'll have you back on. I don't know, sometime later in the season if yeah, things go crazy. I, I love it, guys. Always enjoy talking to you. Always good to see you. And uh, let's uh, let's do it again. Thank you so much for the opportunity to, to push my my wares here, and I really appreciate it. Oh, please. If you don't get the book, you're a loser, everybody. I mean, you should support Rick. That's what I mean. Thanks, everyone. Thank Bye. You. All right, and we're back. Good interview with Rick. It's nice talking to him. It's good catching up. It it's, been a, it's been a minute. He's a good lad. He really he's, all, is. He, he's all right. He does okay. fine. He does all right. Um, five-star questions. If you want to leave a five-star question, go to our Patreon. Mm. And from there, you could sign up and go to Discord. And then we have a five-star question section. We read them on the show. Sometimes they get messages like, hey, this is my five-star question, but I'm sending it through Twitter. I only read this chat, and I read it once a week. Because <laughs> um, I, I can hardly read, as I told Rick. 
Um, oh yeah, we talked on the we talked about this week a lot of the second. This is from Jets Rangers. Let's just get right into it. Uh, two thoughts on the nickname for the second line. One is nice, one not so nice. How about the Dynamite Trio? I'm out on this one. Yeah, no. Um, or the Fug Line, out as well. Yeah. I'm uh, still out on French uh, French toast. I know you're out on French toast. I think it's where it's going to stick here. I, I do like Doughboys. It does roll more. I think Doughboys... <laughs> I see what you did there. Thank well you. done. Thank you. Yeah, Doughboys, is, it, again... I just wanted to prove that one out. With, not only does Doughboys sound good, it's just so much easier to explain. Mm-hmm. I would on also like what's the difference between French toast and French bread? <laughs> oh, this is actually a good one. So this, I'm, this is the same one. This is from Gooses. Thoughts on the nickname ESL English Second Language as Panarin Heat a laugh. That's pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty funny. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> I, I know, but still, it, we're just we're, we're trying too hard. I know, but I, I just, hey, credit to that. That was a good joke. I get it. Doughboys is right there. I'm sticking with Doughboys. Molly's name was apparently the Revelation Line. She said that a couple times on the podcast. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it is. There's a lot of different questions. Uh, this is from Rootin' Tootin'. If Lav was the coach, is Kravtsov still here? Mm. No. I don't know. I don't think so. I think Kravtsov like, had a chance to play in Vancouver, and like not that there are any great shakes. Did at- he, though? I, I, I honestly don't watch enough of Vancouver every night, and I know enough about Rick Tockett to know that I don't necessarily have to believe he gave Kravtsov every chance possible. Here's the thing. I no longer care. Yep. I, I, I'm, I'm done. It did not work last year, whether you want to blame that on Gallant, whether you want to blame it on Jury for getting that point, whoever, whether you want to blame it on Kravtsov for not taking more authority with having an opportunity and running with it. Blame whoever you want. I don't care anymore. He's gone. Just like I, I don't like people that still bring up Leas Anderson. It's over. At some point, you need to find a new show. Uh, this is from Trooper Train. Which player has been more pleasantly surprised by? Or which which player has or have been more pleasantly surprised by? And which player do you still want to see more from? AKA, who's been who's been? Whatever you get the fucking question. <laughs> you really can't read, man. It's ten forty. I get it. Reading is hard. <laughs> uh, pleasantly surprised. Look, Lafreniere. What else do you want me to say? He's been I, awesome. I'll say this though. I was kind of expecting Lafreniere to play like this. Which player has exceeded my expectations? Will Cooley. He's been awesome too. He's been. I, I. I am now at a point with Will Cooley where I can't imagine him coming out of this lineup ever. Uh, yeah, I just it, already he's kind of automatically like a guy. You're like, okay, I can get a decade out of him. Yeah. <laughs> like, we'll, we'll be a ranger for a decade. Yeah, he's, he's not going a, anywhere. He's, he's the new Brian Boyle. Shout out up in the blue seats. Speaking of uh, of Leah Anderson, I believe that was the trade for Leah Anderson. It was yep, Leah Anderson get... to the Kings uh, for yep. the second round pick that became Will Cooley. So, uh, to a, to a certain degree, the Rangers won the trade. I would say so. That's what you get seventh overall. Um, this is from this is from Jack Expedition. Love this question. Can you do a deep dive analysis on Ron Duguay starting beef with Sam and Joe on Twitter <laughs> during a three zero lead? Uh, I can. Here's the thing. Uh, don't point. drink and tweet. <laughs> you know this. You know the scene in The Waterboy where uh, Lawrence Taylor introduces Bobby Boucher to the group of campers and Bobby starts talking absolute nonsense to them. And Lawrence Taylor says, that brings me to my next point. Don't smoke crack. That <laughs> that's what Ron Tugay did on Twitter during that game. Yeah, dude, you gotta be on some sort of substance to be like, is Sam Rosen a phony? Like, <laughs> I, I, uh, okay. <laughs> this is like when you, you know, you, we've all had them. Maybe some of you haven't, but we've all had high thoughts. I've, like, I've never had 
those high thoughts. But that is one of them. Like, hey, you guys think Sam Rosen's a phony? And everyone kind of looks at you like, no, dude. Right. Like, you and I get high and we start having thoughts about whether Moonfall is a good movie. Well, first of all, it's a great movie. <laughs> The, guys, the moon falls. That's the, that's where we go when we're having a good night. Yeah, Ron. Duque, and then he deletes the tweets. Uh, just, Can't delete the tweets. Just a little piss, baby. Can't delete the tweets. This is from Pinto's proxy. What does Laugh have to do to quell the fan base? He's had a slow preseason, and the fan base is all over him. He's now scored three straight, and the ba- the base is still saying it's still early yet. Don't hold your breath. All right, Pinto. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit you down real quick. Mm. You're right. You're correct on all the things you're saying. But I will tell you. The Rangers have won five in a row, and I will definitely have motherfuckers telling me tonight, hey, it's still early. Enjoy it. <laughs> like, Just enjoy it. I just, I just have a question for you and for Pinto here. Yes. Who the fuck are you guys following that you see this shit? They you tweeted about Kane the other day. Ryan, I haven't seen shit about Kane in a uh, month. I saw so much Kane stuff. I haven't seen anything. And you follow less people than I do. I do follow the one person who tweets about Kane. Oh, I blocked it. I blocked his ass. <laughs> I'm, I'm, re- I'm retired. I, I would I, like to say it wasn't about him, and then he responded to it, and it was the best. <laughs> so, fucking, God damn it. The kid's 12. Cut him some slack. I think he's, he's not 12. Well, it's not an adult either, Ryan. That's all I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't seen anyone complaining about Lafreniere in at least 10 days. And I haven't seen the mention of the Rangers and Kane unless it's people saying, I can't believe people are mentioning the Rangers and Kane uh, in longer. I, guys, just follow less people. You don't have to follow everybody. I promise we, you. I do love the, the the one tweet. Like, maybe we should know less about each other. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a good idea. Uh, it's so, that's fucking true, man. It's true. Um, speaking of Pinto's proxy, this is from Cole. Which ranger would get caught gambling, and what would it be on? Chris Kreider? Yes. Coyote it, hunting. Yeah, uh, coyote hunting, uh, fencing, Like, but the version of it where it's like chess boxing. So it's like coyote hunting and fencing. <laughs> it's just that. Yeah, uh, Chris Kreider uh, comes into the locker room and he's like, did you guys catch the game last night? And someone, <laughs> someone says, oh, you mean the World Series? And he goes, no, man. Uh, Ilya Chenchenko and Vladimir Torchev had a really tough fencing match last night. Yeah, and then they uh, they one missed the shot of the coyote in the Arizona desert. And it's like, oh, yeah, man, and he damn. bets in like rubles. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's Chris Kreider. Um, this is from AZK. Do you guys think part of the reason Panarin is on fire and is having literally uh, is having literally any system means he can have an idea of where his teammates will be? This is actually a pretty good thing. <laughs> this is a good one. Yeah. Uh, no more is he hoping people are at the end of his passes. He understands now that there's a system to be played here. So if he sets the puck in a specific spot, someone will probably be there. Uh, this is from Bradley. Is Glant also to blame for Power Play 2 looking like a bunch of us out there most of the time? <laughs> a bunch of us is really, really good. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> what, next question. Um, this is from David. After the New York Giants and New York Jets game, is Laviolette the best coach? I was waiting in New for this York? question. Oh my god! Uh, here's my hot oh. take, Ryan. The Mets' open vacancy is the best coach in New York right now because it could be anybody. Well, this is this is why you don't take draft picks. This is why you <laughs> take the known asset in Peter Laviolette. I'm using your logic against you. <laughs> it's that's that could be a boat. You don't know. I, listen, the boat could be the best coach in, in the New York. Because go through, no, go through. You cannot it. do this. Go through you it, man. Go through it. It's all right. 
it, it's, it's not Boone. It's not Boone. No, it's, it's not, not Dayball. S- Salah. It's not no. Dayball. No, it's apparently not the empty seat in the Mets office. It's not. Is it Tibbs? It's not Tibbs, man. Well, it's got to be someone, right? At some point, it has to be someone. I and you're telling me it's nine games of Peter Laviolette? I think it's ten games of Peter Laviolette. I don't think it is. I think I legitimately think the best coach in New York is the fact that the Mets don't have one. That's how I think down bad New York City is right now with it's their rough. coaches. I think you can make a really good case for Laviolette, though. Really I think can. you can make you could. I, I the best case is the fact that the Mets could have a good coach. That's the best case. again. I th- Tibbs has to be in front of Laviolette still, just because of where the Knicks are in terms of having firm footing. We're pretty sure the Knicks are a good team, which is a really, really long way for that franchise to have come. So Tibbs deserves some credit for that. I can't put Laviolette in front of Tibbs, but I don't feel comfortable saying Tibbs is the best coach in New York. That's why I'm saying it's the open seat in, in the Mets office. It's from Trav Shed. This is, an, uh, this is something we've never actually talked about, which is oh, weird. No, it's fine. Um, holy crap, we only have two more years of Panarin after this contract. What do you guys think would need to happen to keep him in New York in 2025-26? I think Panarin wants to be here like at all costs. Yeah. And I'm not really worried about losing him and, and figuring it out. I'm just not. Yeah, um, I I don't know. That's it's like he'll, asking- be, he'll, he'll be older, and you got to see. It's going to be two more years. He'll be 34. But I, I'd imagine he'd take a three-year deal for cheap. I, I just, with the way the world's going, right, we might not have to worry about it. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, this is from Sean Carlson for revisiting my question from last week. Wouldn't a fan <laughs> as an emergency QB be just as effective as Tommy DeVito on Sunday? <laughs> the there the Giants had a chance to win that game. If Graham Gano made that field goal, the Giants would have won that game with negative eight passing yards. Negative eight. I think that's why I wish they would have won. This is, not, like, <laughs> this is not a shot at Jets fans, but the ability to win a game with negative eight passing yards is really tremendous. The funnier thing is, as Tommy DeVito finished with more fantasy points than Desmond Ritter. Jesus. Quarterback um, play in the NFL, Ryan, has never been worse. No, never been not. worse. Uh, we're going to end on a little bit of a serious question. What? Um, so this, I know, so I'm sorry. Um, I think it's a pretty easy answer from us. Um, this is from Phil L. I know it's more serious than usual questions, but what are your views on players wearing neck, wrist, and ear protection should the NHL attempt to mandate it in agreement with players? First of all, fucking, I don't want to see the video. I don't want to see the video. I don't want to see the video. It's tragic. so bad for all the teammates, everybody involved, the family, everybody. Honestly, I think it... The fact that it happened in the UK, a a country that is new to hockey cares about this domestic league that they have mm-hmm. this is for this to happen there i do think it carries a weight that just hits hard i think it's really hard to explain it's a tragedy any way you talk about it uh to answer the question i will say i don't think ear or wrist protection really ever gets mandated period um i don't really see that happening I could see some uh, some players uh, wearing neck gear moving on, but I also don't think the NHL mandates it. No, I, it's a it's a complete I think every, freak accident. Yeah, and I think every player when they take the ice is aware of all the risks that could happen to them at any point in time. So if any of them want to wear extra protection in any way, shape, or form, I'm they talking should. full cages. 
yeah. uh, neck protection, whatever any player wants to wear to feel protected, they should do. But I also, I'm not going to sit down. It, it's not like, this isn't like wearing a seatbelt in a car, where if you don't do yep. it, you're just an idiot. Yep. Um, I, I think in order to play effectively on the ice, you have to do so feeling as comfortable as possible. And if a player is uncomfortable wearing extra protection, it could impact their game where maybe they're playing too cautious and that leads to an injury, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things where whatever any player has to do to feel comfortable, to feel protected, to feel safe is what they have to do. But I'm I'm not going to criticize a player if they feel more comfortable not wearing a neck guard. Yeah, I'm not going to come on here and just say, I can't believe these guys aren't all wearing neck guards next week. Um, I, th- that's just not something that's going to happen. But if they all do, I'd say I totally understand it. I, that's I am at. sympathetic to whatever any player wants to do in this regard. I just, yep. whatever they have to do to feel safe and comfortable, I fully support. So yeah, the, I'm the same way, but I just don't think the NHL will ever mandate something like this. Just won't happen. <sighs> won't happen. No, We'd have to, I, I agree. A free, it's a freak incident total freak it's awful and it has i mean i don't think it led to a death but we've seen we've seen it in the nhl but goalie usually is where we've seen it right that's correct um though we've seen a couple players i who took oh man i don't remember the player specific but i remember someone in the corner a guy got twisted around and someone's skate went high and they got cut Ooh. and they had a rush uh to the hospital la- that was last year right i think, I don't, think was... I don't know how it was recent we we were podcasting for it i know that yes that was it rough. happens um but you know, it it's a violent game. Violent injuries are going to happen. It's how again, however you want to protect yourself, you should. Yep. Um absolutely. But and it, I I feel for everybody involved for real. Yeah, it's I, awful. I there's no easy answer. It's just it's so 29, man. That is so young. It's miserable. Like, everything I don't, about it I, is miserable. Yeah, I, everything about it is miserable, and anybody who makes it like a talking point is like you're you're doing this wrong, man. Yeah, you really just, are. You know, just grieve however you want to grieve. I don't need to debate it. I just it's sad that we lost a 29 year old hockey player because that's, that's, you can stop right there, buddy. Like, yeah, that's it. I, man, like I, 29 was five years ago for us, dude. Like, it, it's, you can't tell me it's sad. It, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm more grown up now than I was then. I was. I mean, I'm still an idiot. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, no one's no one's questioning that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, I, to me, I, I I lose I lose the hockey debate part of it. To me, it's it's with 29 year old kid is no longer yep. here. And that's just um, like the older I get, if the anytime someone our age or younger dies, it just like just hits me in a different way that you're never expecting. Same, buddy. Um, anyway, Rangers 5-0. and Awesome. Uh, we'll be back with BSBOT on Thursday night. Did we, I don't think we missed anything in the show, did we? Uh, the No. What, what I, will we have missed? The Mets uh, haven't done anything. No. David posted a Why Not Us picture. It's not soon. It's too, it's too soon. It's too soon. Oh, I, too I soon. did see. I know it was injury-related, but I see Scherzer didn't get out of the third inning again today. Yeah, that's injury-related, though. Are they still winning? I don't know. I don't Whatever. know. Okay. I, I saw Adolis Garcia also got hurt. Oh, uh, Texas won. How about that? Oh, there you go. Go Texas, I guess, or whatever. I don't really care. Um, I, don't I won money life. on Scherzer's under. That's all I cool. care about. 
Um, lowest rated World Series game ever. Awesome. <laughs> I also don't. I don't care about that either. Like, who cares? Yeah, just watch it. If you like watching baseball, watch baseball. Yeah, I watched game. I watched parts of game two, yeah, and I go. was like, cool, man. Great. Great. Uh, we'll be back with BSBOT on Thursday night? Question mark uh, after? Well, yeah, definitely, probably uh, after the hurricane game. So we'll see you guys then. You can follow me on Twitter at Orion. You can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. We'll see you guys then. Love you. Bye. Hey, it's really late at night, and I'm recording the end of the show. So this part of the show, I talk about the NHL Insiders Club, my favorite place to talk hockey anywhere. It's on our Patreon. And uh, I thank all our supporters because we couldn't make it possible without them. Uh, we do the show every single week, and we thank all our Patreon supporters, but I name these people by name at the end of every episode because I hate myself and I love them. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Emma Cretula, Adam Keach, Alex Flynn, Alex Gardner, Amber Coensberger, Andrew Ronner, Anthony Gray, Anthony Moturu. Moturu? That's the first time I've said it like that. I'm an impressive human being. Anthony Tanagretta, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, <laughs> Ben, ben Lovayer. Am I hallucinating? Bill Olsen, Bill Rattel, Brandon Lacos, Brandon Magnum, Brett Granger, Brett Bergenis, Brian Doherty. I've had a really hard time speaking tonight. Like, I know I podcast and you listen to me a lot of the times for some stupid reason. Um, but tonight, especially with Greg, I think I had a couple times where my brain just froze. Did not work. Brian Doherty, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Brian Farrell, Cassidy, Cassidy Rollman, Chris Finelli, Chris Haru, CJ Stelwin, Conrad Predamage, Daniel Delaney, Daniel Duzen, David Nairn, David Siegel, Eric Stagg, Garrett Rainis. Greg thinks about the Mets during the sex. Gretzky, McFly, Harrison uh, Hayek, uh, he's an awesome player. Haas, Harris Asco, Hello Vanilla, Hippo 89, Jack Bagley, James Masker, Jerry Marquez, Jason Sumer, Jason Nebraska, Jimmy Mack, John Hardesty, John Shade, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kishabam, Josh White, Chris of Florida, Leszek Gronowski, Luigi Arnano, Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kai, Meatball the Cat, Mike, Michael Koenig, Mike Bucklaw, Mike Mancuzu, Mike Pasternak, Nate Hanafi, Neil Grover, Other Slash, Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Pavel, Phoenix Ignition, PJ Sparrow, Pro World Things Gamer, Randy Tesser, Swingarth, Drop PK, Tommy Seclair, Tommy Jadeshi, Tony O'Neill, Tony Gregory, two first names, Turf Manhattan, the original supporter, Vinny Bracco, Wayne E., Will Spector, and Winston the Golden Retriever. Bark to bark, bark, bark. Um, just want this game to like happen now. I'm super pumped up on the Rangers, and I know they need these three days off, but kind of fiending this Hurricanes game already. Probably won't be feeding it after the game on Thursday. I hope I will be. Uh, we will be back then. I'm a very tired boy. Happy that Rick came on the show. Love all of you. Love for the Rangers. I think the team's good. I think they're good. I keep like, all right, well, I wasn't going to do this rant, but here we are. Um, when the Rangers traded for Kane and had Vlad Tarasenko last season, really kind of convinced myself, really thought to myself, this is it. This is sort of the best team on paper the Rangers will ever have. They will never have more talent. They will never have more skill than what they have right now. And it just never really came to bear. The power play never looked as dangerous. The 5v5, like, while it was fixed, I actually think they were a better team, a little bit more dangerous the year before with Kopp and Vetrano. And shout out to Vetrano, by the way, who's having a hell of a year. But I don't know, man. I know we're only 10 games in. Things are clicking. Love the way we're playing. Ten, it's just 10 games. A lot more of the season left. Not only nine games, actually, but still. Just think back to that one tweet. I was like, guys, savor this. You, so much talent. You're not going to see this again. 
But then you win five in a row on a road trip. You've never won five in a row before, and it's kind of like, am I was I appreciating the wrong thing? These are questions I ask myself late at night. Talk to you guys later. Love you guys. Bye.